Strange Tales. RelicRadio.com presents tales of the strange and bizarre, the weird and the wicked. Stories not necessarily of the supernatural, but of the unnatural. Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. Strange Tales. Thanks for joining me this Sunday. We're going to hear a story from Theatre Royal this week, based on one by Robert Louis Stevenson. It's titled Markheim. It's a short story you can find in The Merry Men and Other Tales and Fables, published in 1887. This version aired November 28, 1953. Here's Markheim. National Broadcasting Company presents Transcribed Sir Lawrence Olivier in Theatre Royal. This is Lawrence Olivier. Today's play is adapted from the work of a man who stands alone. A true prince of storytellers, Robert Louis Stevenson. Each of us has, I'm sure, a favorite Stevenson story. But this one, I think, being among his lesser known, you may like to hear. I myself shall be playing the title role in Robert Louis Stevenson's Markheim. By your own confession, you stand before this court guilty of callous and premeditated murder. Have you anything to say why sentence of death should not be pronounced upon you? No, my lord. The sentence of this court is that you be taken to another place, and at such time as may be agreed, there be hanged by the neck until death. And may the Lord have mercy upon your soul. May the Lord have mercy on my soul. If I could only hope that he would. Yet I showed very little mercy myself and felt at the time neither pity nor remorse. Terror, yes. I went in terror of every sound, every footstep out there in the street. It seemed fantastic that nobody should have heard him die. I thought of them, all the people in the houses round about, Happy people and quiet people. 
lonely people condemned to spend Christmas by themselves. But all of them, young and old alike, sitting there in the world outside, listening, listening to every sound. Yes, it was Christmas. Yes, Mr. Markheim, it'll soon be Christmas. We can sense it in the air already, I think. I care nothing about Christmas. Indeed? That's a pity, Mr. Markheim, a great pity. But I hope indifference hasn't blinded you to the fact that Christmas is very nearly with us. Because I must admit that I'm very conscious of that. Dear me, yes. You must know that I am not indifferent to the fact. I am acutely conscious of it. You surprise me. I should have thought it made very little show in your calendar. On the contrary, it appears in rubrics, like three other kindred days, in March, June, and September. We call them quarter days. Quarter days? Quarter days. We call them. So for some of us, they may be days that give no quarter. I hope you don't think of them in quite that light. I never think of them at all. Then, sir, I shall have to suggest that you do so, for a quarter day is a day of settlement. You shall be paid. I hope so. I also hope that I shall be paid in full. Mm, you shall be paid in full. If not all at once, then... All at once, Mr. Mark. There shall be no more buts about it by the end of the year. It may not be It possible. will have to be done in full by the 31st of the month. Otherwise... There's no need to threaten me. I hope not. From Christmas to New Year's Eve is a matter of six full days. Shall we call them... Days of grace? You may call them what you will. Thank you. Days of grace they shall be. Exactly six of them. Good night, Mr. Markheim. I wish you the compliments of the season. There had been other scenes like that. More than enough of them, as the broker knew. Time after time, the stock market had gone against me. I'd invested money, gambled, and thrown it away. Small debts had mounted into large and crippling debts. Losses had doubled and trebled themselves overnight. There had been no way out, only a deeper and more disastrous plunging onward. Now there were only a few days left. A few more days of grace. I knew perfectly well what I should have to do. I'd stolen before many a time. Now I should have to steal again. Only this time, more than stealing was involved. More than I cared to think about. But there was only one place that I knew of where I was likely to find as much money and cash as I needed. On Christmas Day, the streets of the city are mostly deserted. The bells call people to church. And after the morning services ended, they hurry back to their own homes. And after lunch is over, on Christmas afternoon, the streets of the city are empty. Come along, come along. Where the devil is that man? Why didn't he come? Oh, it's you, Mr. Markheim. Yes, it's me. Thank you. Well, well, come inside, then. Excuse me if I bolt the door again. 
After all this is Christmas Day, I suppose it must be something important. It's important to me. <laughs> to me, too, then. Urgency always carries its own particular rewards. Indeed. Yes. Our windfalls are of various kinds. Some customers are ignorant, and then I touch a dividend on my superior knowledge. Some are dishonest. Yes, some are dishonest, and in that case, I profit by my virtue. Ah, that's a bit better. Quite dark in here when the shutters are up, I'm afraid, but then that's only another way of saying it. I was not expecting you. As I told you, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. there's no cause for that. You, you come to me on Christmas Day when you know I'm alone in my house with my shutters up and refusing business as well. You have to pay for that. You have to pay for my loss of time when I should be balancing my books. I'm quite prepared to do so. <laughs> you have to, you have to pay besides for a kind of Manner you've got about you. Kind of manner? <laughs> oh, I am in the essence of discretion and ask no awkward questions. But when a customer can't look me in the eye, even by candlelight, <laughs> he's always to pay for it. Thank you for warning me. Of course. You, you, you are able to give the usual clear account of how you came by it. I came by what? Well, whatever it is you want me to buy. Something else from your uncle's cabinet? <laughs> a very remarkable collector your uncle must have been, sir. I'm afraid you're wrong this time. I haven't come here to sell anything. Oh? You haven't? No, I've no more curios to dispose of. If you want to know, my uncle's cabinet is completely bare. In any case, I've been doing rather well lately. You mean... You mean you want to buy something? Yes. Yes, a Christmas present for a lady. I'm sorry to disturb you like this, but I forgot all about it yesterday. I have to produce my little compliment at dinner tonight. As you know, a rich marriage isn't a thing to be neglected. Oh, no, 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 indeed. After all, you're quite an old customer now, aren't you? Well, now, let me see what I can find. Here, but what about this hand mirror now? Fifteenth century? That comes from a good collection, too. Of course, I can't tell you the name of the gentleman, but <laughs> like yourself, he is the nephew and sole heir of a quite remarkable collector. A looking glass for Christmas? Surely not. Well, why not? Why not a looking glass? Why not? Why, look here. Look in it. Look at yourself. Do you like what you see? No. Neither do I. Neither does anyone. <laughs> oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. In fact, your future wife is not very good-looking. I ask you for a Christmas present, and you give me this, this damned reminder of years and sins, this hand conscience. Did you mean it? Had you a fault in your mind? Tell me. It'll be better for you if you do. Come on, tell me about yourself. I'll hazard a guess now. In secret, you're a very charitable man. What are you driving at? Not even charitable. Not pious, not scrupulous, unloving and unloved. An itch for money and a safe to keep it in. Is that all? Dear man, is that all? I, I, I tell you what it is. <laughs> this marriage of yours must be a love matter after all. You've been drinking the lady's hair. Ah, so you've been in love. Tell me about that. I in love? I never had the time. And I haven't the time today either. Do you want this mirror or don't you? No, I don't, as a matter of fact. But in any case, where's the hurry? It's very pleasant. 
standing here talking. Life is so short and insecure that I wouldn't hurry away from any pleasure. Not even such a mild one as this. Look, sir, if you don't mind... No, no, we should cling to anything that we can, like a man to a cliff's edge. Every second is a cliff. If you come to think of it, a cliff a mile high. High enough if we fall to dash us to pieces. In fact, it's best to go on talking pleasantly. After all, why not? Why wear a mask? Let's be confidential. Who knows? We might even become friends. Look, I've just one word to say. Either you buy what you want or get out of my shop. Oh, I suppose that's reasonable. All right, then let's get down to business. Show me something else. Ah, very well. Only don't be too hard. Please, that's all. Now, something in the jewelry line, perhaps. A bracelet? Or one of these antique necklaces? No, 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 no. no nothing like that. Well, let me see what I've got down here. Excuse me. Ah, now, perhaps this may suit. Somebody will notice that it's, it's just that it seems quiet to me. Somebody's coming. Should have chosen a quieter time. Late at night. No, that's no good. The servant would have been in. She's only gone for an hour or so. Quick, she'll be back in a moment. I haven't any time. What's that? Will they ever stop? Someone will come. These bracelets. Rings. Oh, that's too heavy. What else? The cash drawer. Find it. Don't leave them there. Somebody will... Well, no, never mind. The maid will be back before long, and I've got to find the safe upstairs. The keys. I must get the keys and look for the safe. It's quite dark. It must be later than I thought. The maid will be back any moment. No, no, she can't be. It's only three o'clock. I've got a clear hour before. Oh, God, she's come back. It's not her. It's all right. Children singing carols. Go away, confound you. Why don't you go away? He never answered the doorbell. They'll go and tell someone. No, that's all right. He, he wouldn't have opened the door in any case. There was no charity in him. He, he'd never have given a penny to anyone, not even at Christmas. Never mind that. Keys. They must be in his pocket. I'll have to go and get the keys out. Out of his pocket. Then upstairs to find the safe. <laughs> Thank you.
In a moment, we continue Theater Royal with Sir Lawrence Olivier. We'd like to take just a moment to preview the Parade of Listening Entertainment tomorrow on NBC. There's another brilliant concert of the world-famous NBC Symphony when noted maestro Arturo Toscanini conducts an all-Beethoven program from Carnegie Hall, featuring the composer's powerful Eroica Symphony and the Coriolanus Overture. And Sunday means top dramatic entertainment, too, and another comedy adventure of The Marriage, with Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy portraying the delightful Marriott. Later, hear how a stroke of fate may have altered the course of our nation. Imagine what might have happened had the United States not completed the purchase of Alaska in 1867, with the possible dramatic result of making Russia our neighbor in the North today. And for some exciting Western adventure, follow the latest predicaments of slow-talking Brit Ponsett, when the six-shooter hero finds himself the victim of forged love letters. Jimmy Stewart stars as the fast-shooting Brit. Then for something new in radio journalism, be sure to hear Weekend, your Sunday newspaper of the air, when some of the nation's top notables bring you everything from cover stories to feature news on home, fashion, and sports. You'll meet such famed persons as Merrill Muller, Elmo Roper, and Earl Godwin, with commentary on late world headlines from the local and international scene. Igor Cassini keeps you posted on the latest word from the Broadway beat. Tex McCrary turns another page in your Sunday newspaper with a sketch of the week's most outstanding personality. Mel Allen will be on hand with news from the world of sports. Hear them all on tomorrow's two-hour edition of Weekend over NBC. And now we continue Theater Royal with Sir Lawrence Olivier. May I never know terror like that again? No, not even on the scaffold. The keys were in the pocket of the murdered man, lying there in the shadow of the counter. Like a suit half stuffed with bran, the limbs lay scattered. The body doubled up on the floor. I took it by the shoulders and turned it over on his back. It was strangely light and supple. And the arms, as though they'd been broken, fell into the oddest postures. The face was pale as wax, robbed of all expression, and horribly smeared with blood. At last, the keys were in my hand. Outside it had begun to rain, and the sound of the shower upon the roof mingled with the ticking of the clocks. Like some dripping cavern, the chambers of the house were haunted by an incessant echoing. Sounds were everywhere about me. Footsteps and sighs, the tread of regiments marching in the distance, the chink of money, the creaking of doors held stealthily ajar. The sense that I was not alone grew upon me to the verge of madness. At last, I opened the door behind the counter and made my way upstairs. Nobody. Nobody at all. The shutter's closed, so... These keys ought to fit the cabinet over there. Well, which one will it be? I'll try this one. 
None of them fit. Not that there may be anything in it after all. This looks like the key to a safe, but where is it? Not downstairs in the shop. Must be somewhere here. But... What was that? I thought I heard. Then there's nothing. Not a sound. Not even the rain. Has it stopped raining? Why? Why should it have stopped? It can't have stopped. It must be raining. It must... There's someone's coming. Coming upstairs. It's him. It's him. He can't be dead. Good evening. May I come in? You're looking for the money, I believe. I think I ought to warn you about the maid. I'm afraid she's had to leave her sweetheart rather sooner than we expected. In fact, it won't be long before she's here. But, uh, After uh, all, Mr. Markheim, uh, it would hardly do for you to be found here, would it? You know me? You, you know my name? Of course I know your name. You've been quite a favorite of mine for a long time. I've always been on the lookout for some way of helping you. Who are you? Who, what are you? Are you... Are you the devil? Really? <laughs> what I may be is entirely beside the point. It certainly can't affect the help I'm here to give you. Can it does. Be helped by you? No, never. No, not, not, not by you. Why not? But you, you don't know me yet. Thank God you don't know me. Oh, but I do know you. I know you to the soul. You know me? Who can do so? My life's a travesty and slander on myself. It belies me. Life belies all of us. All men are better than the disguise that grows about them and stifles them. You see them all dragged away by life. Like somebody gagged and bound and muffled in a cloak. You surprise me, Markheim. If they were really in control of themselves, if you could see their faces, their real faces, they'd be altogether different. They'd shine out for heroes and saints. No, no, no. There are far too many of them. I'm worse than most men, I know. More overlaid, more lost in the disguise. Well, I have my excuse for that. An excuse known to me and God. If I had the time, I, I could still disclose myself. Ah. To me? To you before all. I supposed you were intelligent. I thought, since you apparently exist, that you'd be able to read the human heart. And yet you'd propose to judge me by my acts. Think of it. My acts. Is that really so very unreasonable, then? I was born and I've lived in a land of giants. They have dragged me by the wrists since the day I was born. Giants have done that? Giants of circumstance, of course. And you judge me by my acts. Can you look within... Can you understand that evil is hateful to me? Can you see within me the clear writing of conscience? Can't you? No. That writing may have been disregarded, but never once blurred by any sophistry. Intentionally. Can't you read me for what I am? Surely it must be common as humanity. The unwilling sinner? Really, Markheim. All this is very feelingly expressed, but it certainly doesn't concern me. Now, these points of consistency are quite beyond my province. Personally, I don't care in the least what compulsion may have dragged you away. So long as it's in the right direction. But surely you must admit that there are compulsions over which... Look, Markheim, time's getting on. The servant girl, remember? She may be dawdling, looking at the pictures on the hoardings and losing herself by the way. But the fact remains, the girl is on her way home. You don't seem to realize. It's as though the gallows itself were striding towards you through the Christmas streets. The gallows? Precisely. 
Shall I help you? After all, I happen to know these things. Would you like me to tell you where to find the money? Why? For what price? Price? I offer you the service for a Christmas gift. Mm. No? No. I'll take nothing. Nothing, nothing from you. If I were dying of thirst and it was you who offered it, I'd refuse even a drink of water. Wouldn't that be rather absurd? Maybe, that I, but I, I won't commit myself to evil. Very well, then. It's not because you've killed a man that I'm offering to help you. It's merely because you're Markheim. Am I? Am I so vile as that, then? Look, this crime you've caught me in is my last. I've learned my lesson. In the past, I've been driven to crime by circumstances. I couldn't resist temptation. So I've observed. Well, today has been a warning to me. But from now on, things will be different. As you see for yourself. I may have done evil before. I, I have. I, I admit it many and many a time. But from now on, it will be different. Splendid. Uh, this money now. I think you're going to indulge in a little more uh, speculation. Hmm? The stock exchange, isn't it? Yes. We have already lost quite a few thousand. Uh, yes, but this time I have a sure thing. This time again, you'll lose it. Ah, but, but I, I'll keep back half. You'll lose that also. No, well, oh, all right then, I'll, I'll lose it all. Say, say it is lost. Say that I'm poor again. What of it? I still know good from evil. Why should I always give way to evil? Why indeed? Except that you always do. Mm, no, no, never again. I, I may be a murderer. I am, but... I, I still love good. I, I can still feel pity. I pity the poor. Who knows what they suffer better than I do? That isn't a good or noble or true thing on earth, but I love it from my heart. I love great deeds, renunciations, martyrdom. I'm sure you do. But for 36 years you've been in this world, my dear Martine, through many changes of fortune and varieties of humor. And all that time I've watched you steadily falling. I've only done what... Listen, <laughs> 15 years ago, you would never have stooped to thieving. Three years ago, you'd have been terrified at the mere idea of murder. Now, is there any crime, any cruelty, any meanness from which you still recoil? If so, you'll be guilty of it within the next five years. There's only one way for you to go, Markheim, and nothing but death can stop you. Oh, that's true. To some extent. Only to uh, some extent? Yes. Listen, I'll put a simple question to you, and as you answer, I'll read your horoscope. Like everyone else, you have fallen off in many ways. Can you think of one way, just one, in which you haven't? No, no. I've gone down in all. Very well, then. Content yourself with what you are, for you will never change. Well, shall I show you where to find the old man's money? Is there no such thing as divine grace? Of course. But haven't you already tried it? I seem to remember seeing you two or three years ago on the platform at revival meetings. In fact, you sang the loudest of them all. Uh, true. Thank you for reminding me. Thank you most of all for showing me what I really am. Quick, quick, man, the maid. She's come back early. Didn't I warn you? There's only one thing to be done now. Go down, let her in. Say that her master's been taken ill. Be careful now. No qualms, no overacting. Once you've got her safely inside and the door closed, you know what to do. And then there'll be nothing to bother about. You'll have the whole evening, all night if you need it. You can ransack the place from top to bottom and get away in safety. Quick, man. This is help that comes to you with a mask of danger. Do as I say. Your life depends on it. Go down. Let her in. Go quickly. If everything I do is evil, there is still one hope for me. I can decide to do nothing. If my life is evil, 
I can give it up. The door, man. Go and let her in before it's too late. My love of good may be hopeless, but I still have my hatred of evil. To your eternal disappointment, I will prove it to you. Better go for the police. I have killed your master. At the beck of every small temptation, I have yet, by one decisive gesture, placed myself beyond the reach of all. Only one thing surprises me, and from that thing... I still draw hope of salvation. Even while I defied him, the face of the stranger underwent a change. The features brightened and softened with a tender triumph. And even as they brightened, faded and dislimbed. In that one brief moment of understanding, I place my hope. This is Laurence Olivier again. I should like to extend, as usual, my thanks to our cast, who included this week Abram Sofer as the stranger, and also Donald Bissett. Paul Whitson Jones, and Joan Lord. I shall next week have the pleasure of introducing to you another play in this series. Until then, au revoir, and thank you. Lawrence Olivier starred in today's transcribed program. The script was by Derek Patmore. The music was under the direction of Sidney Torch. Theatre Royal is an NBC presentation produced and directed by Harry Allen Towers. Mom needs a kitchen radio for those daytime shows on the NBC radio network. Theatre Royal aired over NBC stations from October of 1953 to September of 1954. Forty-six episodes were produced. You can find more from this series and a lot more old-time radio at relicradio.com. You'll find all the other podcasts there alongside this one and our Shoutcast stream with even more old-time radio. If you'd like to help support it all, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support has made it all possible for 15 years. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today. Talk to you again next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales. <laughs>